So there are uh, two discourses that have most uh, most influenced and shaped uh, insight meditation styles and, and of course, mindfulness-based applications. And these two, as I mentioned yesterday, are the Satipatthana discourse and the teachings of metta. Um, the, the Satipatthana, the four ways of establishing mindfulness, this is where we began our practice yesterday, with uh, establishing mindfulness within the body breathing. Now, if you ever feel moved to look at this discourse, it, it becomes very apparent that mindfulness of the body occupies the biggest piece in this discourse. And, and it is so primary in the development, not only of mindfulness, but in the development of insight. And the reality is that many of the kind of most important lessons that we learn around working with consciousness, working with the mind, are actually learned within the classroom of the body. And, you know, the first part of mindfulness of the body is, of course, to really begin to heal the, this kind of like chronic disconnection that often haunts our lives between mind, body, and present moment. And we, we see this so often in a day, don't we, where our body is, you know, occupying a particular space, but of course, our minds and our attention are somewhere really very, very different in past, in future, in what is yet to come, in some preoccupation, that the body is often left behind. It's often left behind until it shouts at us through illness or, or through, through pain, really requiring our attention. So one of the primary lessons of this present moment recollection, of course, is, is, is this unifying process, the unifying process of bringing mind, body, present moment together, seeing this as, as an engaged process that we can inhabit. And so much of mindfulness of the body is actually learning to inhabit the body. And what becomes clear to us at every moment that we actually inhabit, every time that we inhabit the body, we are actually also inhabiting this moment. The body is always a present moment recollection. The body doesn't have yesterday's toothache. It doesn't have next week's headache. It experiences what is happening right now. So that capacity to return to the body and what is occurring right now is, of course, bringing this sense of immediacy and present moment inhabitation. As I mentioned, many of the kind of primary insights and the cognitive shifts that we really cultivate in this path really are learnt within the landscape of the body. And the teaching of mindfulness of the body it begins with this very simple but, uh, statement that also has some fairly profound implications. To know the body as the body. To know the body as the body. 
I mean, in truth, you know, many of us have, most of us probably have contemplated the body through our lives. You know, every time we look in the, in the mirror, have you noticed, there's a little moment of body contemplation. But it's often through the lens of my body, and sometimes it's through the lens of shock, horror, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you find yourself looking, your mother looking back at you, or your father looking back at you, or, you know, when did that hair go gray or disappear? You know, so it's often kind of looking at the body through the lens of me, mine, aversion, identification. This is actually the first instruction, to know the body as the body without the added extras of aversion, of selfing, of wanting, of resistance, to know the body as the body. This is a primary lesson for our lives, isn't it? Because we are so prone to add all of the extra layers. And although the body can and indeed does experience pain, discomfort, we also start to see how much extra pain is added through the identification and through the aversion and through the craving. So a lot of lessons we learn about being in the body, contemplating the body, and certainly you see how the body scan occupies such a central role in mindfulness-based applications. Because a, in a way, there's really a way of strengthening that capacity for intentional attention and learning how to sustain that rather than having our attention simply hijacked and captured by every passing thought or every passing image. We're learning to actually develop. This is almost like the muscle of mindfulness, I would say, is learning how to sustain attention with what is. We learn a lot about equanimity within the body. And you certainly see that in ways that body scans are used, learning to be equally near the pleasant and the unpleasant. Not immediately sort of leaping into that secondary reaction of pushing away in relationship to the unpleasant or getting uh, you know, lost and, and, and holding around the pleasant. We learn a lot about being equally near. We learn something about impermanence. We really do, as we contemplate the body, really do begin to sense how body is process. We don't have the power to control and keep one particular sensation and prevent another. There is that arising and the passing. This is an insight that has fairly big implications for our life. And when so many endeavors in our life are about trying to make things stand still for us, trying to maintain, trying to prevent, learning to align our attention with a sort of gracefulness, with the arisings and passings that are part of all process. There is a training in relinquishing, in, in using that phrase, letting go, by coming back to the body. You see how many times the mind is, it just, it just gets on the story bus, doesn't it? It gets on the story train. It gets on the narrative bus. And we learn actually to know that. Oh, 
and actually to be able to come back to just, oh, this is where the body is resting in this moment. This is what the body is experiencing in this moment. We start to learn something about the difference between our narratives and the actuality of the body. I think so many times in our life we, we see this, don't we? I mean, think about going to the dentist, you know? I mean, many people, I don't know, maybe not you, but many people don't really look forward to this. Um, but if you ever notice, you go to dentist, and if you have a reasonable dentist, which I hope you do, you know, dental work doesn't really hurt anymore, a lot of it. And there your mind is going, saying, this really sucks, you know, I've got to get out of here, you know, I really hate this. Actually, there's sensation. And we really start to see how the, the, that difference between the story and the actuality, and we see this in the practice too, don't we? That unpleasant sensation in the knee, you know, uh, we're rehearsing our future as, you know, a meditator in, you know, totally ruined ruined by the sitting practice in a, a life of ruination <laughs> coming forward. And we, we, we just start to see that, how we launch into the, the speculations. And, that, you know, and rather than coming back and taking care with kindness and compassion of what actually needs to be taken care of, we learn a lot about how mental states and moods are registering in, this, in the body and, and the, this kind of two-way pathway between the body and moods. How it's certain mental states have this profound impact, giving messages to the body. You know, you see, don't you, the mental state becomes very evident, the mental state of dullness. Ever seen it? It's really easy to spot in the body. The mental state of agitation, you really start to see it. But also we start to see the whole spectrum of our emotional states registering in the body and how actually without mindfulness the body is almost kind of sending those states, those messages back to the mood to reinforce it. So there's this kind of closed feedback loop that is often happening between moods and body experience. You know, you see this a lot, of course, in, in sadness or depression, you know, or anxiety, how actually the primary profound impact on the body and how that in turn actually returns to strengthen those moods. So by being able to come back to the actuality of what is being and experienced in the body, it is often cutting through that closed feedback loop and sending, you know, different signals to the body. It's what, to the mind, it's often why we emphasize an intentional posture, because it's often inter interrupting that closed feedback loop between mood and, and body experience, and body experience and mood, by having a posture of intentionality, even though, for example, we take the very more obvious state of, of dullness or heaviness, the body's sending a different message, saying, actually, this, I'm here. I'm actually inhabiting this moment. There's a lot of different ways of being present with the body. Some of you will be very familiar with using body scans, body sweeps, but as Mark mentioned yesterday, we ground the attention in the body, sitting, standing, walking, eating, going to the bathroom, showering, 
Some people find it useful to be mindful of the whole body as you sit, the touch points, where the body touches the ground, touch of the hands on the legs, sensation of the air on the skin. Mindfulness of breathing is part of that mindfulness of the body. And we learn, actually, about what it is to inhabit this present moment recollection, really rooted in the body. So again, just taking our seat and really bringing that intentional attention to the body experience of this moment. How does your body feel? It's noticing the sensations in your hands, your hands touching your legs or touching each other. Whatever sensation is registering, Mindful of the contact points, your legs, your feet, your backside touches the chair, cushion the ground. Sensitive to whatever, whatever sensation is present in those points. Touch of the air in your clothing, on your skin. Sensing the aliveness of your body in this moment.
sounds and the quietude, knowing that mindfulness of sensory contact is part of mindfulness of the body. Turning your attention inwardly, sensitive to the whole spectrum of sensations that are occurring just now within your body. What it is to truly establish your attention within that landscape of sensation.
if it's helpful, establishing mindfulness within the body breathing, knowing when it's useful to really have that very intentional, collected focus.
Just taking a moment to notice where your attention is resting in this moment. If it's helpful to reset the intention to be present within the body, within this moment.
In the walk-in meditation today, as you begin really to find your way into that rhythm, sometimes it's useful just to hold as a background intention that awareness of the moments when mind and body really do fracture or disconnect where the body is going through the motions and actually often looking pretty good. And, and just walking along. And, and, and your attention, your mind is completely somewhere else, just really not established at all. Really being aware of, of those moments as much as you can, not judging, not, not comparing, but, ah, this is that moment of resetting intention, just to really feel perhaps the footfall the feet touching the ground, or if the, or the, the whole sense of the body moving in a single step. There isn't a right way to do the walking practice. Just as Mark mentioned yesterday, there isn't a right pace. You know, sometimes if the mind is very, very agitated or, or busy, sometimes it's helpful actually to have a more single-pointed focus on just each the foot touching the ground, of lifting, of moving. Sometimes the mind's more spacious, more calm. And it asks you to have the whole sense of the body moving. And that can shift in a single walking period a number of times. It's not just that it stays the same. Similarly with the pace, you know, if the mind feels very agitated, even though it's pretty counterintuitive, sometimes pretty useful just to stop, or really quite slow down, really rest within the body. If the mind's really dull, that doesn't help so much. It's better to, to move move a little uh, more at a slightly less than regular pace. But th- this is a, a, you know, something we explore. There's not a kind of static sense of instruction. Um, today we begin group meetings. So if you don't have a group today, of course you will have a group tomorrow. Um, and you will have two groups during the retreat. Uh, would really encourage you as much as possible if you could come to the groups pretty uh, much on time as you can. And, and in the service of that, I would also ask that we let the people who have groups right now leave first. And if we do that, you know, in the mornings when we have groups, because otherwise they get caught in the bathroom lines forever, which is an exaggeration. <laughs> Um, okay uh, I think that's it and you know sometimes the groups run over so you may find that you know we end up coming to the sitting a bit late that's that's not a kind of casualness on our part it's just sometimes we need to attend to that okay thank you very much Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.